I can use right. my phone for updates on not if I have to look up anything. Too. Absolutely. You can absolutely use your phone for Sounds anything. smart. All right. So here we are. I got my pal Ray Curran here. He's a fellow educator, coach, um, and has done many things in his life that I don't even, and I don't even know about. So let's Too much. I'm old, so I do lots of stuff, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. How old are you? How old are you? Uh, I'm 46, actually. You're 46. So, so you've been around. So this has been here, this is my fourth year in New Hampshire. Okay, yeah, fourth year in New Hampshire, 46. So, so put it in our perspective here, is that the first election I voted in for the presidential was 1992. Right. right? Which was actually voted for George Bush. Over Bill Clinton. Yeah. We can talk about that if you want. Yeah, like, absolutely. We can how start, I got to where I got. We can start right there. We can start if right you want. there. Well, because uh, when I went to Syracuse in 1992, I was, you know, my parents are Republicans, at least my dad was, yeah. or is, you know. Um, we, you know, he's, we can talk about him later, but they yeah. had, uh, you know, so in 1992 and even all the way through, I can remember watching actually, believe it or not, the 1980 election way back when, when I was really little, I watched it with my grandfather when, when Ronald Reagan won the first time over Jimmy Carter and then in 84, which was when he beat Mondale, he crushed Mondale. I think Mondale only won one state, which could probably never happen again now. Right. But, um, and then, no, that will never happen again. right. And then there was 88 with George Bush was around and, you know, yeah. and he won. And then 92. And he had, the, he had like the post-Reagan, the post-Reagan push, right? Right, and that was an interesting election yeah. because, yeah, he beat Dukakis, Michael Dukakis, who was ahead right. all the way through. But and then, then he messed up big in a debate, right? Well, he did, and then they had an ad, a couple things. He, he showed himself in a tank, which he, he's not really a guy. And, like a, you know, relating to today's politics, I mean, you got to be who you are. And right, Dukakis absolutely. was not that kind of guy. Yeah. And then there was another ad, a fam one of the most famous political ads, a Willie Horton ad, where he was, when he was in Mass, he was governor of Massachusetts caucus and he released him yeah. for a furlough and then he committed another crime, which is similar to what's going on today, what Trump talks about, but, yeah. you know, and he did. I mean, in, in defenses that he did, he, he was on a weekend furlough, committed another crime and he just used it, Bush used it and the ad went, you know, uh, as you say today, viral and then Bush won and then, but by 92, things were kind of turned around. Right. And, you know, and you have Bill Clinton and then, you know, the rest is history, as well, they say. and he, he used that as the Willie Horton thing. He used that as a, a political, because he said, oh, he let him out of jail and then right. this guy yeah. went and go kill him. Right, he let him out on a weekend furlough, which yeah. is what they did, and he went and committed more crimes. Yeah. And then right. he used that ad, and people like, hey, it was. You know, if you look it up, you can Google it, YouTube it, whatever. I remember, I've heard about it. Yeah, I remember. Willie Horton ad. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a pretty powerful ad, and yeah. it was in that time. And it's the same thing, but it goes back to what we're in 2020. We talk about stoking fear and stuff like that. Yeah, when you look absolutely. back at it now, yeah. It's a lot of fear. It's a lot of, you know, right. yes, yes, there was one case. One guy. That the guy did it. Right. And he did it. I mean, no, you can't yeah. de defend it. it right, happened, right, right. But, but it's one person. Right. You can look at one case for anything. So, right. so anyway. Exactly. No. Um, so how did that, so you voted for Bush in 92 and, right. which was two years before I was born, by the way. Right. I'm <laughs> old. We already established yeah. I'm old, so it's all you're, good. You're even 20 years older. I'm, 20, I'm 26. Right. You're 46. So, right. so, um, so you voted for Bush in 92, and then you, the next election would be 96. Yeah, that was Bob Dole. Bob. So I was still a Republican then. Yeah. I didn't really turn until I started to get an education, which was about 2000, which is a really controversial election. Right. Gore. Bush and Gore. Did you vote right? for Gore? I voted for Bush. Sadly. You voted for Bush. I did. Okay. okay. Um, and so it wasn't to 2004 when I switched to go to Cary, and that's about when I started actually started teaching in 2002. Okay. So that was kind of the Where change. was your first uh, teaching? First teaching was at a middle school in Connecticut. Uh, okay. Bailey Middle School in Connecticut, which was not, it was tough. That's a really, and you know, you, you know, until you're in it, we could talk about this later right. if you want to, but until you're in education, teaching middle school. Oh, that's good. That's, God I, bless those people. I, not, you know. I think that's the hardest uh, yeah. age group because yeah. 
when you think about it, like you're just you're going through so much developmentally so fast. You're right. you're change your body's changing so much um, so fast, and um, you know you're having you're getting introduced to new things. You know, like i.e. sex and drugs and stuff like that. So, um, and you're there as a teacher essentially to try to guide them through that. And it's only three years. It's a really short right. amount of time where they go from almost being, you know, a child to an adult right. in those three years. I think the lesson for me is actually still like coaching that age because mm -hmm. they're good. They listen and they're excited to be there and they run around and do yeah. stuff sometimes. But trying to teach that age is very difficult. Yeah. Um, I did geography and I knew the stuff. I knew my geography, I knew my history, but I didn't right. get to actually teach it is a whole nother story. And that's what so makes you teach. Hard. You taught social studies? Yeah, social studies. Yeah. Okay. So for three years. Okay. Did you ever teach any other subjects? No, no, no. I never taught any other subjects. I mean, no. No. Okay. Not officially, at least. Okay. Did some tutoring and did some adult ed well, stuff, yeah. but not really. Yeah. But so you were a social studies teacher at the middle school. That was your first teaching job. What, yep. what, what, what were you doing before you decided to come into education? I was a newspaper. So I started off, um, I got a degree in journalism from Syracuse, which is a really good journalism school and I actually got a job at ESPN. And That's people would be like, why the hell did you leave ESPN? Yeah. Um, well, you know, it just didn't, I didn't like sitting in a cave for, you know, whatever hour, right. four in the morning, where I wanted to go out and do stuff. So then I offered a job at the New Haven Register in Connecticut doing high school stuff. I took it because I can get out and right. talk to people and watch games and stuff. Right. And that was high school as opposed to pros. Right. And you wonder, you always wonder in your life if you didn't do stuff, if you didn't change. But I mean, I think that was a good decision. Then moved to Texas for two years, which was interesting. So you were in Connecticut and then you moved to Texas. Yeah. Okay. To work at a small paper in Texas. Okay. Which I got to cover like the Cowboys That's pretty and cool. the Texas Rangers. So that was also pretty cool. But then yeah. decided, you know, I almost took a job in Reno, Nevada, of all places. But on the way back from Reno, Nevada to Texas, I'm like, I don't know if I want to do this the rest of my life. And right. I went back in teaching, and that's mm -hmm. how I got into that. And then so you would, have, like, you would have to go back to school. Yes, I went yeah. back to school, got another degree, became a teacher, ended up in high school doing special education for a while, some stuff okay. um, for a few years, and then decided that I wanted to be a counselor. Yeah. And had to go back to school again. Yeah. Were you? So, um, yeah, still paying all this stuff off, yes. Yeah, of course. Um, and then when I got yes, out of that's that a whole school, like four years ago, I started putting resumes out, and I stuck a couple in New Hampshire. So you don't know where your life's going to end up sometimes, and so yeah. here I am, pretty much. Yeah, that's so um, special ed. So were you like a para? Like yeah, I was a para, okay. and I uh, had some other duties there too. I worked with a kid um, who was he had E. coli when he was little. Okay, um, and it, it he had a bunch of strokes because of it, and he mm -hmm. really almost died. Right, and but mm -hmm. he, and he lost his power of speech. He lost the power to, he can still control a little bit, but his arms and legs, but mm -hmm. it didn't get the part of his brain, like the thought part of his brain, so he mm -hmm. finished as a valedictorian. It's just a great story. That's, a, that's amazing. So right. he was, so he had E. coli, but it didn't affect the, the part of your brain that is cognitive, right. your cognitive functioning part. Correct. And so he was valedictorian. That's, right. that's pretty crazy. And you could look it up. And you were yeah. like his, his mentor. Yeah, I know well, he was para for a while yeah, too, okay. and then yeah. turned into his whatever and just worked, you know. Yeah. And it was kind of cool because you got to go to all the high level classes he was in too, and usually right. has that, you're not really exposed to that. So that was kind of cool. And I was coaching soccer there too yeah. at the same time, so he was our manager. Um, so it was a really cool time. Soccer and basketball, have you coached anything else? Yeah, um, I coached just about everything one time or another. I coached baseball, I coached tennis for a couple of years. Okay. Um, and we actually did okay. Um, that's about it, I think. Maybe a little bit of hockey here, there. Soccer, basketball, tennis, hockey. Yeah, so whatever, you, whatever's out there, I do watch. You, do you know how many um, 
coaching jobs that you you've had or you, you getting I could not tell you really? I don't know I know I could tell you that I know when I got out of college it's one of the reasons I went to education because there was an ad I was working for the newspaper yeah. there was an ad in the newspaper they needed a coach for the local town league yeah. for basketball I'm like oh it would be cool to do that and it was pretty awesome we had a terrible team but the kids were great and we were an expansion team so they kind of were rig it so that we didn't have good players but we, we were like oh and 10 and we played some other team that was at the bottom of the standings and I remember it like it was yesterday the kid took the ball and he shot at his own basket by accident we were winning by one but he missed <laughs> and he grabbed the ball back and the clock around they all went crazy and it was a good life lesson for me because yeah. that might have been like the championship to them yeah, it's the only game they won all year but absolutely. they went crazy and jumped up and down and had a party and whatever so that's good that's so cool. that was how I got into coaching that was where I was you know so that was, was the hook that was the hook for you yeah, yeah. Yeah, for me, I mean, it was like, um, I was like born into it. Like I started coaching baseball when I was like 16 years old with my dad. And then, you know, I started doing the, I, I played football and, you know, I was a better football player. And, and so I, you know, and really just fell in love with football. And I was like, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do when I left high school, but I, I knew I wanted to coach. Right. So then, so when you want to coach, like you said, you almost get drawn to working in education because, you know, the schedule. And, right. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, what do you think are the biggest lessons that you can learn in sports that apply to life? Um, that's a good question because you talk yeah. about that. I think, you know, a lot of it, I mean, from a varsity perspective to talk about being a teammate and we've, you know, had that you have that discussion every year, no matter what, to talk yeah. about that. Not everybody's going is going to play equally, right? You know, and you know, you just have to accept your role. And sometimes you're not going to like your role, but to be able to, you know, accept it and understand what's going on yeah. and to be a good teammate is hard for people. It's hard, you know, even now to not, yeah. you know. And I think that's a life lesson when when you're disappointed in the role that you get, or right. or when somebody doesn't, you know, right. your boss gets mad at you or something happens, right. and you understand that, like, you know, you're playing a role. It's a team, and be. You know, I think that's, uh, you know, we talk about the pandemic a little bit. That's a skill that is tough is that, you know, collaboration and stuff like that. To be part of a team is, is yeah. I think, a good life lesson. I'm, I mean, yeah, being part of a team, I think, you know, I think I think sports also, you know, you, you get a high, you get highs and lows, man. You get to experience what it, you experience, what it's like to do something really awesome and what it's like to succeed. And you also experience what it's like to fail and how to handle failing and learning from failing. Right. That's why that's one of the reasons why I love I love sports so much. And. There's more, I, I personally think there's a lot more critical thinking that goes on in sports than people think, you know, especially in any sport. You know, I don't know soccer and basketball, like in and out. Right. Or, or, and I'm, I know football, you know, right. obviously. And I know football is people just think it's, you know, rah, rah, you know, go hit the guy. And it's not like that at all. It's a chess match, man. It's it's different formations. It's different looks. It's different coverages. What did this guy do? Was this guy doing on this play? You know, it, it, it's definitely you got to be able to critically think. And, and be athletic right. and have your body at the point where you can like play successfully. So it's that's why sports is just, I don't know, they're just amazing, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there are some down when you, you do it long enough that you see some stuff, especially youth sports that is not really favorable. You see people try to take it way too seriously sometimes. Absolutely. Youth sports and try to win, that's the one thing that, yeah. you, yes, you want to win. Obviously, we're trying to win wherever you are, but the people that make it the be all, end all. Right, and, and you know, and, at the end of the day, it's a game. Right. Like, and, and, you know, and I try to remember that where I, I take coaching very, very seriously. Right. Obviously, I should because I'm coaching right. a high school team, right. not a not a um, youth team. I right. think that's two different dynamics. I would have different attitude about it if I was coaching yeah. little kids. Right. But, um, you know, and obviously winning is important. But at the end of the day, it's not the most important thing. You know, it's it's learning and it's growing and it's learning how to be a good person, teammate, you know, right. all of the above. Um, we can, you mentioned the, the pandemic, how it's really changed 
the scale of our just everything you know what i mean it's really like for example i don't think we'll ever have a snow day ever again in schools I no think. and i was talking about that too with somebody the other day that they're gonna put it um you know it's gonna be remote days instead of snow days yeah, yeah. um yeah and as far as coaching i did i got a message on uh the other day from one of the kids I used to coach when she was 10 mm-hmm. and 11, so whatever, and she's a mm-hmm. college senior and her season was canceled. Mm-hmm. And they did a, like a senior day scrimmage mm-hmm. and the, the parent put on, you know, how she was thankful for everything the game had brought her daughter and whatever. Mm-hmm. And it makes you happy, you know, 10 years later, or 12 years later, what's 2009, 11 years, 11 mm-hmm. years later, right? To see stuff like that and understand how the game, and, and again, there's two sides, because I know there's also a physical toll that's played. I think soccer, <laughs> as opposed to football, you think it's a chess match. I think people think soccer is a sport that, you know, you prance around or whatever. Right. It's a tough physical sport. It uh, is. It is. There's I a s- lot of injuries and a lot. Of, and you know, having coached girls a lot, a lot of you know, girls are more susceptible to some things like right. ACL injuries and concussions, right. and those can be you know lifelong. Plus throws. the cardio, man. I couldn't. Right. I, when I watch a soccer game, I couldn't right. r- do all that running. Holy right. cow! That's my first thing that comes right. to my mind. Yeah. Yeah. That's just endless. You're just running back and forth, back and right. forth, endless. Yeah. That's got to take incredible cardio to be able right. to do. But, you know, but the pandemic, if you go back to the pandemic, it changes, you know, where we are in education. I think it's a big change. It's changing everything right now. Yeah. We'll have to see what, and I think we don't know the long-term effects until No, obviously we, we need to get out of the pandemic, which we don't know when. Nope. Uh, um, no. I, and we can, this is where we can turn to, to current events and we can talk about the pandemic and we can talk about um, the president a little bit. Because um, I personally think, you know, he's done a lot of things that I obviously don't like and you obviously don't like, but I think the pandemic's been his greatest failure yeah i think i mean we don't know i mean history will find out i mean if you know, it looks like he's in trouble here we don't we're not counting our chickens in no, any way shape I'm, or form but i'm still if, nervous right i mean i'm gonna be nervous until they call it yeah but uh or maybe after they call it to be honest yeah absolutely say, until january whatever january 20th well can you imagine a lame duck trump president yeah i mean we can yeah we'll cross that bridge when we come to yeah. it i think i don't want to think about that me either sure. but the point is that if he does lose i think the pandemic it'd be interesting historically what would have happened if there wasn't a pandemic right and um i was actually having this conversation with mimi's dad the other uh the other day when he was when he was around and he said that if there wasn't a pandemic, like Trump would have won this election handily. I mean, it's, well, I don't think we'll ever know. We won't ever cer- know. You can certainly make a case for that. I'm yeah. sure Trump will make that case. Absolutely. Well, he already has. He said yeah. it the other day. He went to Pennsylvania. He was like, I shouldn't. I should. I didn't want to come here. Right. Yeah. And you know, you know, he's almost complaining about having. A, yeah. Um, but I mean, it's not a price. It's it's awful. I mean, I mean. You know, you talk about mental health and what that brings to here and what has happened, you know. And I know, because, and one of the reasons I changed a lot is I worked at a school in 2016, I was an intern to get this counseling job yeah. at a school in New Haven, Connecticut. It was, um, you know, 65% Latino. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and a lot of, we had a lot of refugees, first of all. There was a refugee center next door. Mm-hmm. From, and we had a lot of undocumented, you know, kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't say a lot, but a, but a good deal. And then some, a couple of them just left. Yeah, I mean, day after the election, they well, were gone. Well, wouldn't you? I mean, if you have a guy that just got elected president and says they're going to come to your house right. and, and take you and put you in a country right. that you've never lived in your right. entire life. And I think that fear that you see if you meet the, the fear that you saw in them mm-hmm. was changed, you know, whatever. I mean, I think the mental. So the point is that I think mental health for some people has been struggling for whole four years. And now you add in the pandemic, which is just. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, your life let's, changes. Let's take a look at the pandemic because he was told in January that this was a serious thing, and he according did to the Bob Woodward according tapes. to the Bob Woodward tapes, and he did he did nothing about it. He lied about it and said he knew that it was uh, he knew that it was uh, dangerous, and he 
didn't want to panic everybody. Um, and he continued to he continued to essentially downplay it, even called it a hoax in February at a rally, called it a Democratic hoax. Um, and he didn't even really even acknowledge it until March when we had we were forced to shut down. Right. And I, I still believe that if everybody um, would have you know just sucked it up and stayed home for six weeks or a month or a couple months, you know, we wouldn't be where we are right now in the situation well, where you know, like Canada and like other countries. Although it is it is firing up again in Europe. It is. I mean, but, but it, it, that's just because of the, the time of year. I yeah. think. Um, but no, and that's the danger here, obviously. Yeah, and I think the, another biggest failure is the testing, man. Like, um, you know. Everybody should be getting a test like we should anybody that in my opinion anybody that's working in a public sector job Should be getting tested at least once or twice a week Whether they have symptoms or not, right? Because you can't tell me that all those kids at the school we work at if we tested everybody that somebody wouldn't have COVID like yeah, I mean, it's hard to tell. I mean, you know, when you look at what the NBA did in leagues, we can talk about that. They, you know, yeah. they have had zero tests. So it's possible, I think, if you shut it down. And, and just going back to what you said before is that, you know, I think there was a point where he was taking it a little bit seriously when you had Dr. Fauci on every day yeah. talking about it. And even, but then he got sick of it. Right, because yeah. we knew he got like, like a bunch of Americans did. Yeah. He, got, he knew that, you know, I think people underestimate him politically, or at least the people around him politically. He knew that it, he wouldn't win if it was, you know, he needed to get rid of it. And so now right. he's, so that was probably April, May, he took it seriously. And then by June and July, he knew. when it went down a little bit, to be it fair. Did. And then it went back up, then right. it went back but down, think, and now it's going You know, back up. a lot of Americans just have, and a lot of people around the world, not just Americans, you get tired of it. Even us, you know, it's hard every to eight months in to have the same, you know, whatever. It was Absolutely. a rough few months to, to not be able to do anything, to not have school. And that, all, that also kids. has its effects on mental health as well. Oh, yeah, big time. And that's it, what I'm saying. I mean, yeah. you think, you know, I'm happy to be back in school, even if it's just kids are a couple of days a week, but what is yeah. the cost? Right. You know, where are we going? I mean, there are to say that, you know, and I think we're doing better at the, at treating you know, COVID-19 these days. Yeah. Um, but still, there are people dying. There was, you know, there, like this week, there was another day where a thousand people died. Yeah, a day, in else. a day, a thousand families, right. a thousand people, you know. Right, and yes, yeah, some of them are older, but I mean. Okay, so right, I did. You're gonna tell your grandmother yeah, or whatever, right, I have you know, a, yeah, whatever. I have a 78-year-old, 78-year-old grandfather right. and a 70, I don't want them to die of COVID right. either, so. It's right. like, if you can help it, I mean, if you yeah. can't, you know, but that's that's the tack that they have to take right now. And you know, they he, the, 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 the Republicans even did use the argument well they we should they should sacrifice themselves for the economy and it's just to me if you have to say that then your government isn't functioning in a correct way because your government should be able to i'm not necessarily bail people in times of like crisis and a pandemic your government should be able to be there and aid people that's what pretty much every other developed country has done you know what i mean yeah and that goes back to the health care argument that we can make some other time you know and well, you know, we can also, talk about health care right now right well yeah, <laughs> um but you know and talk about what what the government is there to do like you said to try to you know do stuff and to lead the way obviously the federal government can't do everything and no obviously we know that but at the same time when you're getting mixed messages at the top i yeah. mean i mean you know obviously you know dr fauci's become a, a lightning rod now which is of sad in and of itself but you know if you just put him out there every day he was saying the right things if you look at sanjay gupta or those yeah people absolutely on, you know that people that are on every day mm -hmm. you know they shouldn't be political people it's they're not political politi they're doctors and they don't want to be if no. you watch fauci or gupta on tv it just ticks them off that they have to be like political but they're like these are the facts yeah this is what's happening well, that's that we're in a we're in an era right now right. where facts are so blurred you right. know there are facts obviously 
and you listen to experts like Sanjay Gupta and Dr. Fauci because they're scientists, they're physicians, Correct. they're doctors. They know, right. they've studied this stuff. They right. know what they're doing. They know what they're talking about. Um, and to, I think that's another one of the biggest um, things that have made me the most mad with the Trump handling of the, the pandemic because he, he, he thinks he's like, he almost thinks he's God and he thinks he knows everything, you know? And he's, how can you say, how can you tell Dr. Fauci, who's been doing this his entire life, has worked for um, every president since Reagan, Republican, Democrat, doesn't, didn't matter, right. you know? How can you discredit him and, you know, try to downplay everything he says and, you know, call him, oh, he's just a Democrat or whatever, you know? I just, it, that, that drives me nuts. Yeah, I mean, there's no other way around it, really. It's just, it's, but that's just, politically, that's what he has to do at this point, so that's what he does, but it, it harms the country in general. It harms, you know, and, and, you know, I don't know where we go from here if people don't believe what people are saying, and it's not, you know, I think that's been coming for a while with the internet, when everybody thought the internet was going to be, everybody's going to believe everything. There's just so much crap on there now. Oh, my God. QAnon and that stuff. And yeah, I know. There's a great podcast, New York Times, on QAnon, if you ever have a chance to listen to it, called yeah. Rabbit Hole, which is fascinating. And how people start to get into this stuff, because that's what they have, and how people get from A to right. B, and that's what, that's the rise of Trump. That's what we took advantage of a lot of times, and people that weren't listening, there was something because they were talking about rural voters and how Trump rose among them and just nobody was listening to them to, to be fair no no absolutely and when Trump called them out it's like yeah we finally got somebody to listen to us and that was a big part of Trump voters. winning and that's where we are you know where we are now look at Sullivan County New Hampshire that's yeah. a prime example mm -hmm. it went Obama in 2008 it went Obama 2012 and Trump in 2016 yeah and those were those voters and um, they're the voters you know and obviously Trump went there he, he like he went to places like Wisconsin and Michigan right. you know where um, people are losing manufacturing jobs right. like like crazy right. and he went there and he was like don't sell your house I'm gonna fix it you right. know obviously I mean we know now he lied he, he, he right did, you know well, you know I don't I think so too but, to, but at least he's to those people and that's the, I know I think you know the, the common mistake Democrats make or people on the left make is mm -hmm. to just ignore those people that are absolutely rural voters to just discount them I, I agree 100% you know? and I think they're still you know you still have to listen one, to the voice I still think they're wrong that's one of the reasons I was um for I was always for Bernie because I felt like Bernie could right. reach out to those people. And I think right. he did more than other Democrats yeah. anyway. Right. Um, because, you know, he had a message. Obviously, his message is much different than Trump's, but he also he had a message in the same way of, you know, the system's not working for you. Right. And I want to fix that. Now, the whole socialism thing and stuff, that's really was, in my opinion, the detriment of Bernie because he called himself a democratic socialist. And I already did a podcast explaining what that was. But, um, that word socialist really was the, he, he put that word on him and that really was his detriment. Even though in America, we, well, we already have socialist, right. we already have a mixed economy. Right, and I think to be fair, he said it whatever years ago and he didn't he'd back been, off it. He's been so. saying the same thing right. for 40 years. And that's credit to him for doing that. Yeah. I am what I am, at least he didn't back off it and try to change himself. So. No, which, which most politicians would probably right. do. Right. Um, so I, I yeah, and I do think there was, I, I think he, I also think Trump targets, I obviously, he talks, he targets like the back in my day, you know, old school right. voter. Right, well know. the same thing, that there, you know, things were better, I mean, people that are struggling, you're, you know, uh, you know, when people are, are struggling, but to, he, he talks to them, because at least he's talking to them, but I, you know, right. but then you get mixed in with the, the racism and all the other stuff too. Yeah, uh, man, I mean. Which is tough to listen to sometimes for he, us. He, that's, I mean, honestly, he started his campaign in 2015 by calling people from Mexico criminals and right. rapists. So, right. I mean, I mean, at this point to say that 
you know, he's, he, he, he won't, disc, he, you know, he, they, try, they asked him straight up on the first debate, will you denounce white supremacy? And he told the Proud Boys to stand up and stand by him. That was his response. Right. Find people on both sides, shit whole countries. We have had so many different right. examples. Well, and that's where it's hard to find middle ground. Yeah, like, exactly. That's where people, it's hard to find, yeah. I can't find middle ground with you if you're calling people. Yeah, me either. You know, me racist either. names, I can't, no. right? And that's what's hard. I can yeah. find, I can try to listen to you about economics and the fact sure. that you're ignored and the fact that, you sure. know, I mean, yeah, nobody talked about that and where the jobs went and things aren't mm -hmm. the same and, you know, where are we? And that mm -hmm. you, it's the condescending attitude those people have sometimes too, that, you know, urban people will have toward rural people too, that, you know, there was a thing about hillbilly elegy, which is a pretty good book in my opinion, right? And now it's, you know, but it has its moments where they're a little cringeworthy, but yeah. I think it's still a good book to, to try to understand. Because when you don't try to understand other people. Of course. Right, then you of lose course. it. That's where you we get to. lost. But that's what, but you're right though. That's I try to understand other people. Obviously, I'm 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 a lefty, and obviously, you know, right. I believe in social democracy. You know, I think healthcare and education and you know services should right. be rights, and you know, you should be able to go to the doctor and not go bankrupt. That's what I believe. I try to listen. I can understand. Um, I don't agree with the right wing view on economics and stuff, but I can understand why somebody might feel um, inclined to feel that. But. When you have a guy who says the things he does in the race, that's where I break. In the, the LGBTQ stuff, you know, where right, you... All those things, the, the social the, issues. The social justice issues, you know, that's women, where... Women, you know... Whatever. Yeah, you know, that it's those are the issues that it's really it's hard tough. To, for, to find common ground. Yeah, you no, know? and it's hard, and that's what makes it hard to try to talk to people when everybody talks about, like, can't talk to my neighbors anymore, and that, that's yeah. the kind of stuff that gets you. I think you still have to try, I think. I mean, yeah. because we are a community, and we have to get together at some point. We and are I incredibly divided what's, what's frustrating to me is that a lot of the things that we talk about I mean you know, to bring up socialism is a nasty word but yeah. I mean w when you talk about economic policies not necessarily if you take socialism out of the equation the economic policies first of all the country is a lot more progressive than it was 100 years ago because you know we had to be because yeah. things were pretty bad you didn't, right. people didn't have health care yeah. some people still don't have health care yeah. but you know and what did they do so somebody that's my argument is like and, and a lot of those should should be great for you know for working class people mm -hmm. that you know I'm like no these policies look at this, this is the policies how these will help yeah. you right and there's working class policies and whatever Trump's not going to help you man economically no he's, he's not he's going to try to keep his money and take more years and he's going to try to give more tax breaks to billionaires right. and he's going to try to lower the marginal taxes as low as he can get it you know right um, that for me going back to for for, for um, like Ronald Reagan for example because I know he's viewed as like a very like he's viewed as like a uh, almost like an American hero, right? Right. Um, but I couldn't stand the man's economic policies. Right. I mean, I wasn't alive then, but I read about him and did research about him. He's the one yeah. who really started the corporate welfare and slash and you know the um, slashing the corporate tax rate. You know, it was we had a ninety percent marginal tax rate when on against people um, that made over um, I think it was ten million dollars. I might be wrong. Right. But um, of ninety percent when Eisenhower was president. Right. When Reagan was president, it went all Truman the way down. Too, I think. Yeah. And when Reagan became president, he went all the way down to thirty percent, and it hasn't gone back up there. Obama tried, but just wasn't able to get it done. Right. And I think you know that's a history lesson for me as somebody when I was younger that really you know looked up to Ronald Reagan. I still think you know he. Has, I don't think he's a bad guy. Yeah, positive just, yeah. you know things, but yeah, his economic policies seem like they've still been going on and they hurt a lot of people from yeah. where we are now. And, and, and the it mass led incarceration. Us to where we are now, right? Yeah. 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 He. he you know, three strikes laws and such. Yeah, like that, which, you know, and you know, yeah. we can talk about 
you know, I don't think putting people, unless you're selling abnormally amount of drugs, I don't think putting people in jail for that are addicted to heroin is necessarily the right decision. You know, they need to go to treatment, you know? Right. It's a health issue. Just like if you break your leg, you're, it's a, it's a you know, it's, a, it's like having a broken brain, well, you know? Yeah, and you want to try to rehabilitate people as best you can. I mean, obviously, the Willie Horton thing we talked about, you know, yeah. want people, you know, repeat offenders and whatever. Right, but obviously. More, you know, obviously there's a lot more people if, if you watch the documentary 13th, I've seen it. Um, you know, there are a lot more people incarcerated than there were, even percentage-wise, 20 right. years ago. And why is that? And where are we going with that? You know, what is the, you know, do we try to help people that, you know, instead of, again, it's the condescending thing. You look down at people, oh, you committed a crime, must be a horrible person, which in, in some cases, you know, when you look at sexual crimes and of stuff course. like that, obviously. But, you know, but you want to try to rehabilitate people because they're part of, still part of society. If you yeah. start, start throwing millions and millions of people in prison, that's not good for your society. No, it's not. And... Um, well, I think part of the problem was jails. It became a it became a it became a business. It became jails started to profit off putting people in jail. Right. They have private jails, which are right. You know, I don't. I they they're you know it's, for a good word. Dirty. They're, yeah, dirty yeah. is a good word. Yeah, they're yeah, dirty. It seems like you know they put people in jail for small crimes for far too long. It almost it's almost it's it's like if you're poor like and you have a you commit a small crime you know. Um, and but you can't pay bail, you know, you're going to jail. But right. if you're rich well, just, and you commit a crime, but you have, you know, they put bail at ten thousand dollars and right. you have ten thousand dollars and you can pay it and then you're free. Well, I just get hung up with the general principle of it, like a private jail it yeah. doesn't make any sense to me. No. You're gonna have somebody profit off prisons. I mean, I know why you do it, but because you know, you throw it off to somebody right. who can make money. We're trying to make money off of prisons. Well, that's what, and that's why you go to like socialism, like, I'm not, what, you know, if you want, but that should be a government thing, it shouldn't right. be. So that's what I was talking about with democratic socialism. So basically the way I described it was that right. democratic socialism means there are not your whole economy and society, but there are certain sectors of your society right. that aren't run like a business. Right. Education. Education. Education, healthcare, right. social services, childcare, preschools, prisons. They shouldn't they can't be run like a business. They gotta be run in in order to meet the needs of the people. I know Zeke's a Right. If you hear somebody in the background, you hear Zeke. Yeah, Zeke's running around. He's yes. just, he wants to join our podcast. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, some other day. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, and I think, and the only president that lowered the jail population was Obama. And right. it's actually... And he barely did it. Yeah. Like he was really... No, no. I mean, no. I think he tried a little he bit. Tried, he tried, but... He wasn't a... Yeah, he didn't do anything really over the top no. when it came to that. And again, he, just, he was blocked by a lot of things, yeah. too, but... He talked about it, though. Right, Nobody, right, you know... Right. No, no other president would have, would have been talking. Even you know, Bill Clinton didn't even talk about it. Right. Well, I mean, you know, the other part of that is that obviously a higher percentage of the prison population is people of color. Obviously, and, you know, and, and that's, that's the systemic racism. Right, piece. right, right. Which yeah, we haven't talked about that yet, but that could be for another day. Yeah, we want to bore, well, not bore people, but we don't want to get, you know, yeah. Anyway. Um. But um. Well, I mean, it. Is someone that's sitting here wearing a Black Lives Matter wristband, you know, um. I really believe that the way our country, the way it's set up and how, you know, segregated poor neighborhoods, you know, we stick, we, it's almost like we stick them there and, you know, we expect them to be successful yeah. without a lot of resources, without well, healthcare, without education right. opportunities. 
And in order to actually fix a lot of the problems we have, you know, the violence and the drugs and all that, you need to flood those areas with resources. You need to flood those areas. Make sure that if they get sick, they go can go to the doctor. Make sure that, you know, I mean, our, our healthcare system is essentially run for um, making profit for insurance companies in, in, in big pharma. And they're doing a good job of that too, making big money. Yeah, they are. Insurance companies. Yeah, Look they, at the stock market, like, like Trump would say. Look at the stock market. You know, a lot of the insurance. And that was when, I don't, I don't think it happened to me, but the way to make it personal is that when I, yeah, yeah. when I switched, I lost my insurance a little while. And that happened to be the right time, when, right as the ACA came out. Mm-hmm. And that was a godsend. That changes you. Have it, right? I mean, because when you don't have insurance, when you're like, I stubbed my toe. I literally had a toenail issue and like I couldn't do anything about it unless I wanted to pay. I ended up paying like 500 bucks for a toenail. Right. And if I really got sick or something, right. try to go to the hospital. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It just seems another argument that in, in you know, in practice, like, well, you should get a, you should get a job in healthcare, but in, in, in not to plug other podcasts, but there's a podcast no, called I'm Through Line, which goes to the history of how jobs got tied to health and care. And ironically, it was teachers who had the first one because they were mm-hmm. trying to build stuff up in like the 20s and try to offer more for the job and they couldn't offer more money mm-hmm. and so they offered healthcare. But yeah, to have it tied to a job seems, you know, yeah, it's, you just, know, it's just walking on eggshells. And again, it's just hard every day to do that when you don't have healthcare. And you, and I also think about, um, you know, so you can't, so you, you have people who can't f- have fulfilling lives because they have to stay at jobs they don't like because they have health insurance. You have people, and, and even if they have health insurance, you still, they still pay high premiums and deductibles and, and all that money goes, you know where it goes? It goes in the, the profit of the right. insurance, insurance companies. companies. Yeah, they're making a lot of money. Yeah, they do. They make millions and they make, they make billions of dollars. Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't, that's the, my biggest problem with it. You know, when I talk about our healthcare system, I would just want people to know I'm not talking about the doctors and nurses. I'm, yeah. I'm t- they're amazing. I'm talking about the delivery. I'm talking about the bureaucracy in that, you know, we shouldn't, you should be able to go to the doctor and get care and not leave bankrupt. I feel like it's just, it should be a moral thing. And, and other, uh, every other developed country does it. Yeah. You know, we just choose not to almost. Right. And they've done it for a long time, which makes yeah. it hard to that, you know. You know, Britain, Great Britain, they've had universal health care against yeah, national health service since yeah. the 40s, you yeah. know, and every country does it differently. There's no perfect way. Right. And you're never going to solve everything. Right. But there's always going to be problems. But like our country, our, our healthcare system right now is just incredibly right. dysfunctional and wasteful and well, harmful. My point is that you have people that don't have insurance, so they go to the emergency room, right? right? And yeah. So you have two choices at that point. Either you treat them or you don't. Right. Right. And the moral thing, hopefully everybody here would say, would be to treat the person. Obviously. Right. But if they can't pay, so say it's six figures, which some of them right. are, well, who's going to pay for that? Well, yeah. the taxpayers are going to pay for it. Exactly. Because they have to do whatever. So you're going to pay for it anyway. Exactly. You are so, going to pay for it so anyway. So the cost seems like it would make more sense to put but I think some people just get stubborn on that and they yeah. don't want to change to what they were. So. I know. And, and, um, you know, and there are ways you could pay for it that wouldn't raise taxes on middle-class Americans. You can, right. you know, I mean, come on, man, corporations like Amazon pay no federal income tax, you know, right. and, and you know, Donald Trump paid $750 in income taxes last in right. 2017. Yeah, there's you know? a lot of, you know, there's a lot of excess funds in the yeah. budget that could be looked at. And, and, you know, and I, and I think, what people like Bernie and Elizabeth Warren, you know, they, they've, they've really hit on and talked about how, you know, we can pay for these things without putting the burden, like we don't have to put the burden on the middle class. You, if you make over, if you make, uh, I know Biden's going with uh, 
he won't raise taxes on more than four people who make four hundred thousand dollars a year. Bernie said he wouldn't raise taxes on people who made m more than a hundred thousand, which I think is also fair. Um, but um, you know, so but you can pay for these like if you made these corporations pay income taxes, if you um, put a marginal tax rate in place like we had like we've had in this country before. Right. Truman and Eisenhower that we talked about before. Yeah, you can pay for universal health care. You can pay for college education too. Like right. the grand scheme of things, this stuff doesn't cost all that much as they say it does. Right, yeah, and Eisenhower was a Republican by the way too. He was. Uh, yeah, so I mean. And he was like, all for it. Right. When I read about him, about how he, right. did, he was like, yeah, it's the right thing to do. Right, it's good to study history with that stuff too, is to try to see where we're coming from. That's why I like that podcast, I like a lot of that stuff to see yeah. where we are and where we're going, so. Yeah. Yeah, so hopefully someday. Um, shift gears for a second. You said you worked with children with uh, special needs. I didn't realize that about you as a person who is working with children with special needs and is in school to become a special education teacher. Um, can you just tell me a bit about your experiences with that? I think, you know, I mean, again, you know, a lot of the, the students I worked with were, you know, different things. We had autistic kids. Yeah. You know, I worked with the kids that were the general population, quote unquote, so they would yeah. come into different classes. So I would help them <coughs> in the classes and they were, you know, great kids and they, yeah. you know, and they, I think it helped them a lot. I think when you try to isolate too much, Yeah. you know, I think for everybody, for the general, for kids in general population mm -hmm. too, I think it's good to see them and work with them and not, you know what I'm saying? Because I think, you know, there are people like well, that out there and learn what empathy is and understand where yeah. people are coming from and to understand, you know, there are, you know, just because somebody's different doesn't mean Absolutely. there's, they, you know, so we all have our pluses and minuses. Absolutely. We all have things. There, there's no perfect person right. in the world. Right. right. And we all have, you know, our, our, and to try to boost them up instead of putting people down. Absolutely. To pick um, people up, you know. So I'm assuming you have learned about autism in the brain and kind of like what, Right. How your brain is literally wired differently, like, and how, um, you know, they don't have the impulse control that you or I have, right. you know, it, it just doesn't exist in their brain. Right. Um, and I think a lot of people who don't have that education look outside that, you know, think thoughts like, oh my God, you know, we're coddling them or whatever. But let me tell you something, if you try to like yell at these kids, it ain't going to work because. Right. I think that's a lot of kids. <laughs> yeah, it is a lot of them, But yeah, but empathy is yeah. key. Right. Empathy right. is yeah. absolutely key. You have to just be, understand, too, to understand yeah. where people are coming from, too. Yeah. yeah. I think, and it's something that I feel like it's being lost a little bit right now, you know, especially during the Trump years, because, you know, yeah, I mean, he had the, you know, disabled reporter that was 2016, 2015. He got elected after he did that. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of people that don't, <coughs> you know, again, that's an issue that it's hard to find common ground in that one. Too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because you know? if you're going to make fun of people, that's, if you're going you're to, you know, it goes back to the bully thing that we see a lot in schools where if you're going to be a bully, I mean, you're not going to find much common ground with me. Sorry. Yeah, me either. And yeah. I definitely think, um, Trump has embodied, he's embodied the bullies a little bit, you know, right. he's made it feel like, you know, oh, it's okay, you know, well, the president's a bully, he makes fun of people, right. so why can't I do it? No, I think there's studies that have shown that, too, to help, yeah. and then people are going to turn around and say, well, it's just being wimps, you got to suck it up, and... Okay, like... But it's not the way, you know, no, it like, should work. No, it's not the way it should work, and, you know, nobody wants, I don't care if you're the toughest guy in the world, you don't still don't want to be made fun of, that's right. just not human nature, right. you know, like, and then there's a difference between... I also like the difference between like, and as a football coach, you know, you have to, sometimes you got to hold your kids accountable, but there's a difference between holding your kids accountable and just being a, you know, just a jerk. Right. You know what I oh, mean? Yeah. yeah. There's a, it's a fine line. It there. is a fine line. And it almost, in my opinion, like it, it takes more work to hold them accountable without being a jerk. That's something that I try right. to try very hard on, you know, 
you know, you, you tell them, okay, this is what, this is what you did. This is why you shouldn't have done this. This is what the outcome could be. And this is what, you know, I think you should, you should do rather than belittling them and calling them names. And right. And one of the quotes that I got early in coaching career was, and it goes for pretty much anything is people don't know how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah. So the kids, you have to care about the kid first. Yeah. You try. I mean, nobody's perfect. I'm sure I haven't been perfect. Me, I mean, some kids probably didn't like me as a coach or whatever, or even as a counselor or whatever, but you know, but hopefully they know that I care about them and they do, you know, care about all the kids I coach and whatever and I care about them. And that's why I was happy to see the message of a kid I coached 10 years ago who's now graduating college that still right. loves that's, to play soccer. That's what's up, like man. They're, they're going to graduate college. They're going to be, yeah. you know, after that. So that's what, you know, you're there for, you know? Yeah. And um, it's definitely your, your job, you know, it's definitely it's something that um, you should, you, if you're in our profession, you should perfect you know you know what i mean yep so um, it's tough like sometimes like you said you got to hold people accountable you can't just let people run over you either and that's not, no. that's one of the reasons why i switched to be a counselor from a teacher is that i had trouble with that you know i wasn't really i'm not really a disciplinarian type person you know i mean you gotta as a coach obviously you gotta hold the line sometimes mm -hmm. but but i i do better as a counselor as a you know somebody who can talk to people and understand yeah. people better so yeah. and you gotta find what you're best at right and you are i know that coach one time that they kept telling him you know, yeah, you gotta be tougher. And then he tried to do that. It just wasn't him, you know? Yeah, exactly. And it just wasn't. I'm like, dude, you gotta be who you are. You, you gotta, know, and if people don't like you because of it, then, but you can't change who you are because people, whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. Everybody's different. Yeah, and you, you always gotta remember that we're just, you know, human, humans are, they're complex thing, organisms, man. Like, you have to keep that in mind when you're, when you're coaching a kid or teaching a kid or aiding the kid or, you know, whatever, whatever you may be doing. Like, there's a lot of things that are, going on at all times that you probably don't even know about right yeah <laughs> you know no i know yeah there, there's that's one thing to remember too especially high school kids that there's might be something going on there might be whatever and this is yeah. their outlet and whatever so yeah. yeah definitely yeah um so you know all right the election's coming soon so it's in nine what, days nine days um i i I know the polls say that, you know, Biden's a comfortable lead, but the polls said that in 2016, too, yeah. about Hillary. If you're, if you're like us, you re-click uh, 538.com about four times a day. Yeah. And look what Nate Silver's odds are. Currently, as I left today, an hour ago, and I checked for the fourth time today, it was 12.5%, uh, <laughs> which is kind of scary because that means the one is the tie. Right. Or they come out 269, 269, which would be... Mm -hmm. A crap show. Well, you already swore on this. I'll say it's a shit show. Yeah. It would be um, an yeah. absolute shit, shit show where you have to go to the House of Representatives and. Yeah. But I mean, we'll see. I mean, it's nothing set. I mean, it basically. It, it, there are certain states that if Biden wins, he's in trouble. Basically, he wins Pennsylvania and Florida. The tipping point right now, according to Nate Silver, who knows a lot about this stuff, a lot of a lot of people got on <laughs> Nate Silver because he said he was off because he predicted Trump to lose, but he did say Trump had a thirty percent chance to win before the election. And that's yeah. still a lot, and it Hillary still won the popular vote. Yeah, by she won by three million percent. So the polls oh, weren't that far off. The, if the polls said Hillary by five and she won by three, the polls were only two off. You know, but you think the electoral college should be abolished? I think so. I found they, they go back to the through line. There's a good yeah. podcast in that too. It's a tough call. They brought up though, they brought up some interesting parts of that. That yeah. there are, are points because one of the points is that say, all right, they get rid of the electoral college, and then California is like, well, I'm going to make voting for 17 year olds. <laughs> right. Well, then you got to you know you got a mess because you right. have one state is you'd have to, which is going to be hard to do, federalize the election at that point and make right. all 50 states the same. Right. Right. You have and, to if you're going right. to go by a straight popular vote. Correct. Well, you and have that's going to be tougher to do. Right. Yeah. And then you have you have more issues with 
you know, all these issues that Trump likes to bring out that don't really exist, that the elections is that if it's a close election, you have to count every vote. Obviously. Be, now, there might be, who knows? <laughs> California, there's some at the point, um, Chris Hayes and M MSNBC, because um, his press secretary, Kaylee McEnany, tweeted some, look at all these Trump voters in California, which there are a lot. I mean, it's a big state. Yeah, he's course. like, guess what? Their votes don't count. Just like, so too bad. Because, you know, Biden's going to win California by whatever. Oh, yeah. Right? So, just like Hillary did. So just that's, like that's, a, that's a point against the, the, you know, for the Electoral College to be abolished yeah. is that you have all those Trump supporters in California whose votes don't mean anything. You know? So. Anyway, um, but then at the same time, you know, you have someone in Wyoming whose vote counts four times as much as a person in California right, was, or Texas. That was Andrew or Yang, remember? Yeah. Andrew Yang used to come over and say, hey, you're welcome. To, I'm in New Hampshire. Your votes count ten times as much. Yeah. Which exactly. is funny having moved here from... Connecticut, where my vote but, meant zero. But he's right. It's not right. a system of one person, one vote. Right. Which and it's is, cool for me. I feel cool about that, but, yeah. you know, that I get to be 10 times as good as somebody from California, right. but that's not really a fair system. It's not a fair system. It's not a fair system. And it, it's, I think my biggest problem with the Electoral College is that, and essentially with the political landscape that we have right now, where you have pretty much set blue states and set red states, right. the election comes down to, like, six states. Yeah, although, you know, Ken Burns brought up a point today, the historian who lives down the street here in Walpole, yeah. that things changed, though. I mean, the, what you thought was a map, right? you know, and actually, you know, the Electoral College almost got abolished in 1970. Did you know that? I, I didn't know. I heard that. I don't know much what about. happened is, and I, I, this is something, well, you need to learn history, right? No, yeah. I don't know. And so I even know this stuff and I follow history. Right. So 1968, there was, you know, I'll try to make this story brief. There was RFK, right? Yeah. RFK was going to be the runaway Democratic nominee. Probably would have won the election at that probably. point. Probably. And gets assassinated, which is awful. It was awful. a terrible year, yeah. 1968. He was, kind of, he, was a pretty, he was a pretty awesome guy. Right. Kind of comparable. He had some things. You know, <laughs> but former, I mean, his but, policies, though. Right. Were but it seemed like he was going to roll to, yeah. to election in 1968. All right. And then he gets assassinated. They don't know who to put in. They put in Hubert Humphrey. And he goes against Richard Nixon, who's coming off a loss in 1960. So the election was extremely close to the popular vote in the Electoral College. But there was another guy, George Wallace, yep. who comes out, who said, segregation now, segregation forever, was his whole policy. That, well, that runs you a few votes in the South. So they were afraid. Right, right. So if he had won, and for a while it looked like he was going to win like five states in the South. So if he wins those, and it's a close election, nobody gets to 270. Right. Then what? Then, then it what the House of Representatives. And right. they were afraid that that could happen in perpetuity. I mean, every election, you could have four people run. And it's looking, I mean, you don't know in the future what's going to happen, but say the two-party system blows up, which, it, you know, who knows what the, I mean, I whatever would the Republicans decide to do at this point. Right, know, I mean, I wouldn't, over. I, I personally, I mean, in this election, like, you got to vote for Biden, you know. If I was, I've told people this, if I was going to vote on strictly policy, you know, I'd vote for the Green Party, but you can't do that right now because... No. because right, and Biden, you know, wasn't, we, you know, we know you supported Bernie, I supported Warren, but, but they were probably 10th, 12th choice Biden, I'm being yeah, honest. Yeah, me right? too. But, um, but, he's, but I'd wait in line, I would go out there today, if you said you have to wait in line the next 120 hours... I would wait in line for the I'd be there. Biden. Yeah, over so, because of what that stake. But at the same time, like I said, the Electoral College, it seems like there are some flaws that, you know, but it's going to be a hard sell now because it's become whatever to see. But yeah. it seems to make, in theory, it seems that other countries look at us <coughs> like... Yeah. Whoever gets the most votes should win. Whatever. Right. Yeah, I know. I mean, like, why does the person, like, we'll use the last election as an example, and... You know, I, I didn't like Hillary Clinton all that much. I think she had she took a lot of money from Wall Street. You know, some right. things he, she Benghazi. You know, she was a kind of a war hawk. Right. Um, but I still maintain the fact that she would have been a better president in every facet of the word than Donald Trump. I have no doubt in my brain right. that that's true. Right. Especially when it comes. Think, take the pandemic for example. Hillary Clinton would not have just screwed around for two months, and you know she would have. 
she wouldn't have disbanded the first off she wouldn't have disbanded the pandemic response team and then you know right. and so she would listen to scientists and doctors and stuff um so that's definitely where and you know she wouldn't have get had a tax break where 83 percent of the 83 percent of the uh, benefits went to the one percent she wouldn't be trying to destroy obamacare she wouldn't be and try to take health take health care away from millions of americans and right. you know there's just so many things and the same thing for with biden you know he, he if if we if we as progressives you know you, i know you support war and i support bernie but we're both considered you're progressive right yeah um yeah. if we ever want to see happen what we want to happen we have to biden has to win the election because if trump wins again it's right. pretty much a done deal that it will never happen. Yeah, I mean, we will never have universe like because when when well, I mean, never is a long time. I know, but well, like okay, not, not for a very long time. Right, not for a very long time. Um, and um, I think when people talk about our democracy being on the line in this election, I think that's absolutely true. We have a president that that we've never had a president before, Republican or Democrat, that praises dictators and like Trump. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's a long time again. You look all the way back to, like, Andrew Jackson's. Like well, yeah. Those people okay, so bad. I'll say in the last 50 years. Right. Yeah, yeah. certainly. Yeah. I mean, since, maybe since Nixon. Since the Cold War started. Maybe Nixon, but. I think Nixon was more trying to, he was playing the same card. But not even playing, as, Like, trying to say, I, we need to get along with people, but I don't think he really respected. No. no. He didn't He didn't say he fell in love with Kim Jong-un, who murders his own people. Right, or Mao. You know, <laughs> yeah. like he was, when he went to China, that big Richard Nixon, which was a good, I thought it was a good ploy by him when he went to China in, what was it, 70? Yeah. Something seventy one. I've looked that up. Somebody probably knows better than me, but you know, because he, he was playing China against the Soviet Union is what he was doing at the time. Yeah, yeah. That's just kind of the last thing I wanted to talk about because um, I, I, when we talk about our democracy and a fair, a fair, almost like a fair, just country being at stake in the twenty twenty election, it's a hundred percent true. And even if you don't like, I'm not jumping up and down, you know, being excited about going and supporting and Joe, supporting Joe Biden. But at the same time, I realize that voting for him is the most important thing you can do right now because he believes in democracy he doesn't believe in, he doesn't want to be a dictator he doesn't <clears throat> he doesn't want to take health care away from people he believes in climate change you know that's another thing where trump is abysmally bad on he think he he doesn't even think it's real <laughs> and it's sad because i mean it's not and there's a lot of evidence and yeah. overwhelming evidence 99 percent of scientists are saying right. it's real it's happening right. and, and it's, it's gonna like be a big problem and 30 years. I mean, I know it's hard for people to look 30, 50 years down the road, but it comes from I mean, us. it's a big problem now. Right. It's a big problem. Yeah. yeah. It's coming now. I mean, even looking where we are anywhere in the Northeast where it's just the temperature's cooler. There's, I mean, the hotter, there's not as much yeah. snow. You're going to have days. And again, it goes back to what we said before, pick a day and it might snow a foot this well, year. Well, exactly. Like, look, global warming, it'll be zero degrees, but... It's yeah. a difference between, <coughs> right. between weather and climate. Right. If you look at the grand scheme, and I've even talked to my, my grandparents about this who were right. alive, you know, in the 50s right. and the 60s. They, they used to, it used to be cold. It used to be cold for months. Like right. it was 10, 20 degrees for three months, right? Four months. Yeah. It's not like that now, right? It's not. And <laughs> yeah, exactly in Connecticut, it was the same thing. Where the like yeah. grandparents would talk about how, you know, things. But sometimes the ocean would ice over once a year, and it just hasn't. And it, it, I think just, it did once, like three years ago. And it was the first time in like. 10, 15 years, it's not getting better. I mean, the scientists will show you the data yeah. that it's going up. I mean, it's not going up like 10 degrees a year. No, and but it's kind of sad too, because you had Al Gore, if you look at the 2000 election, yeah. if you've ever, never seen an inconvenient truth. I have seen both of this. Right, I mean, that was, what was that? That was 2005, I think, yeah. that came out so 15 yeah. years ago. 15 years ago. With the frog and the yeah. 
you know, and frog um, in the water and it just when things happen slowly it's hard for people to adjust to them like that it, I it know. doesn't happen directly to you and, and then when you have and, a guy it's kind of the same way it's mm -hmm. not it's not quite as big a time frame but if you don't feel it directly it's hard for people to understand you know what i'm saying absolutely sometimes unfortunately for some people they have to feel the the, the effects directly in order for them to actually believe it's true right and i think that's a sad thing and then i think when you have someone in the in the office of the president that pushes conspiracy theories and denies the scientists and says, oh, you know, you don't have to worry about climate change. Oh, you know, coronavirus isn't a big deal. Don't let it control your life. You know, they have an alleyway. They have in QAnon and Alex Jones and Fox News and yeah. Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson. Like, um, yeah, it's 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 a, it's a problem. And right. yeah, and I think, you know, Fox News is is tough because you know they're torn because you have such good ratings that yeah. it's hard for them to back off it but at the same time when you're just not telling the truth and it's not and again I'm sure you know, there's biases on both sides when there it comes is. to that stuff but at the same time you know you have to find the there are there is facts out there the facts yes, are out are. there and you, you have to find them you have to find them you have to do your homework right you know and, and look at the evidence of scientists that's see, the big deal what are the scientists saying what, what are, are the, the people that experts that know Right? What are they saying in whatever field it is, you know? Mm -hmm. That's one of, the, I think, the most important jobs of a president. You know, you have to be able to put yourself and you have to be able to listen to experts in, on, on each topic and make decisions based on, you don't necessarily have to be the smartest person in the room, right. but you have to be able to take what experts on that subject say and use that information in order to make decisions. Right. And when you have someone like Donald Trump in there who thinks he knows everything, you know. Or surrounds himself with people that, you know, <laughs> that listen to him yeah you know whatever which is bad leadership usually yeah and any, anything that you do yeah you, you always people. want people that challenge you and disagree right. with you Even that's how you coaching it's the same thing absolutely you know? yeah <clears throat> that's how you get the best product and if you just have yes men around you you're not going to get your best product all right, Ray, we've been going on for 52 minutes. Is there anything else you would like to say or talk no, about? No, it was a good time. I mean, we gotta, we'll see how it goes. It's nine days away. You're nervous, yep. I'm nervous. We'll see, you know, we'll have to see how it goes. But, there, you know, we had, again, I want to make a point that it's not, you're not like going against like people that are voting for Trump. I was I'm not going to say everybody's like, Yo, you're horrible if you vote for Trump or you're racist if you vote for Trump. <laughs> I just look at where the facts are and try to see, you know, where we're headed and understand that, you know, he, yeah. he's just not. He's, he's just not. He, He's, he's, he's destroying our country, yeah. basically. He doesn't take the job seriously. He doesn't take, you know, he thinks it's a reality show. I mean, and it's right. essentially what his presidency has been. It's been four years right. of the but apprentice. Think, and it's all kind of a scam, you know? <laughs> it's like, like it was when you had Trump University or like it was when I you mean, had at the, end of, at the end of the day, he's a, he's a con man. That's, right. what, that's what he, that's what right. he is. And, and that's it, what he's pulled over. And he's and good. I, I mean, he's good at it. I understand. You oh, know, he's, listen to him. He's, he's one of the best. He's right. the best, dude. Right. I'm not even, you right. know, I, you know, I, I, you know, I've perfectly said Trump is, he's hard because he is really good at what he does. Yeah. He, he is. He's really, he's really good at what he does. But what he does is be a country, so. <laughs> yeah. What he does is terrible, though. So, um, yeah, so. Nine days until the election, you know, and um, I just hope we can, I, I, I want this country to, because it's going to take some, t this country needs to heal. Right. You know, and, and that's why I think Biden's not a guy who's going to come in and fix everything because he's just not going to be able to do it. But he can help, I think he can help heal the country. Right. I think he can help try and bring the country together. He can, you know, focus on issues based on facts and he can, you know, and that's honestly my hope because it's going to take a long time to recover from 
even four years of this, yeah. I think it's yeah. going to take. I think a one of the things that keeps me going is I do think that we're headed in general in a positive. We are. And there's a lot of, you know, it's going to take time, like you said. And, and, but I think the younger people in society, you know, not everybody, obviously, but I think we're, we will move the right way eventually. Yeah. Right. Martin Mar- Luther came with the moral justice and arc there. Yeah. The arc of the, or- the arc of the moral universe is long, but it yeah. always bend towards justice. Yeah. And sometimes I have trouble believing that, but every, it's true. But I think it gets there. It'll get there eventually. Yeah. And we got to keep the faith. Love that guy. He's a brilliant man. He was one of my favorite, favorite people that I've done research about and read about. He, he just, he's well, mischaracterized. Too, yeah. He, because, well, people and one mischaracterization about MLK is people think I mean, obviously, he was incredible in the civil rights movement, but it wasn't the only thing he did. Right. He fought. He, he fought for for, for uh, workers' rights. He fought for um, against poverty. He fought for you know, and that's actually um, one thing I want. One extra thing. I'm, the, the, you never heard of the the poverty paradox? In, in what, A little bit. Yeah, you know, and um, how people get. And I think this is one of the biggest problems we have in in this country. People get stuck in this rut. They get stuck in this, you know, oh, they're in, they're making, they're working a job for ten bucks an hour, and you know, they can barely. They have three kids, and they're it's a single mom, you know, and they get stuck and they can't get out of it. They can't afford an education to get a better job. They can't, right. you know. Um, so we we need to have systems in place and policies in place to lift them up and help them. Because at the end of the day, that's a healthier society. And what you want is more taxpayers, right? So you need right. to be able to it's make those taxpayers. It's moral thing to do to yeah. help people out too. Yeah, it is the moral thing to do. But I was just trying, there's an economic argument for it. Right, as well. right, that as well. Right. Yeah, so, all right. Anything else you have? No, I think we're good for now. I think, yeah, it was, it was a good time though. I had fun. Yeah, absolutely. We can do this. You can be on as many times. All right. Right. All right. All right. Thank you, Ray. Thank you everyone no for listening for 56 minutes and 43 seconds. If you got this far, you get a prize. That's right. <laughs>